Today on Happy Sad Confused, Mandy Moore on making everybody cry week after week on This Is Us. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. She doesn't make me cry. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. No, no tears in this conversation with Mandy Moore, uh, who, oh my God, if anybody had a name built for, for pop culture success, it's Mandy Moore. I mean, you don't, you know, Mandy Moore isn't your dentist. Mandy Moore is a pop star and actress. That makes sense. Uh, we cover it all in this conversation this week. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever spoken to Mandy Moore before. Um, I'm going to stop calling her Mandy Moore. I'm just going to say Mandy for the purposes of the rest of this intro. Okay. I had never spoken to Mandy before because we're close now and I can say just Mandy. Uh, but she was, she was great. Um, really, um, a good head on her shoulders and a great perspective on a career full of ups and downs and, uh, you know, certainly hit it big in a, in a, quick way when she, I think she was just 15 when she kind of went from being the national anthem girl back home in Florida, um, to opening for NSYNC on the road. And suddenly she's on, you know, TRL and all these kind of crazy things and being positioned alongside the likes of Brittany and Christina. Um, and you know, she's, she's very frank and talking about how like she didn't feel she necessarily compared to them. Like she never, she never had the, the huge successes that those other pop stars had. And she also is frank about saying she didn't love the music she was making back then. So it took her a while to kind of find her way. Acting came, um, some successes like the princess diaries and a walk to remember and some things that weren't so successful. Uh, certainly tangled was a big moment for her and continues to be, she continues to voice that character in an animated series, but uh, nothing changed our perception, I think, of Mandy Moore more than this series that debuted a couple years ago. This Is Us on NBC, now entering its third season, and um, has really been a, a revelation for, for her, for Milo Ventimiglia, for the, uh, the other actors who really had we'd never heard of, the likes of Sterling Brown, etc., um, and it has become appointment television for people, uh, families often, each and every week to kind of go through uh, an emotional catharsis. And, and maybe it's the show that we need now in these times full of um, weighty issues. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, it's a bit of an escape and a bit of something that we can all relate to on a familial level. So it feels like the right show for the right time. And I think Mandy Moore is very, I know she is very appreciative of the opportunity, um, given that, uh, you know, she was considering leaving acting behind just a few years ago after a string of failed pilots. So good for her. Um, this was a, a, a great chat and she, She's just a delight and was was fantastic to chat with. So I know you guys are going to enjoy this one as much as I did. Um, as always, please spread the good word of Happy Second Fused. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with your friends and family and others? And one of the best ways to do that is simply to uh, go on iTunes, review the podcast, uh, rate the podcast, um, and subscribe, of course. Um, all that stuff adds up and, uh, and spreads the good word of this show that is a true labor of love for me. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoy putting it out there. Anyway, let's get on with the main event. Mandy Moore star of This Is Us. Hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. Mandy, it's very nice to meet you. Thanks. Nice to meet you, too. Welcome to my silly little office. I love it. Um, we were just saying you've come from a, 
the the gold standard in the interview business. I don't know how to follow up <laughs> Howard Stern. Did he break you down? Or are you like a no, shell of a woman now? I'm not. No, I feel invigorated. Good. I feel ready to seize the day. Nice. Good yeah. attitude. At least one of us feels that positive attitude. <laughs> you do too. I'm, I'm picking up that life. vibe from you. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's go with that. Um, it's funny. Like, uh, we're not in the, the, the famed, you know, 1515 Broadway Midtown MTV location. I worked yeah. there for like nine years. You did? Yeah, yeah. And now I'm down here. Uh, and um, This is better. Isn't it? Oh, my God. God, yes. Yeah. And no gotten, one wants to be in the middle of Times Square. And it's gotten worse in recent years. I turn, I always, my cliche, like, uh, default is I always, like, I feel like I turn into the worst version of myself. I turn into, like, a Vietnam vet walking the streets. I'm muttering to myself and pushing people out of the way. Yeah. It's just, it brings out the worst. I think it does. But um, when, you know, you go down the Mandy Moore rabbit hole to decide what to talk about. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry about that. No, it's it's very entertaining for me. I don't know how it is for you. Sure. <laughs> but there's Walk a, down memory but, lane. But for instance, there's a couple, like, MTV-related videos that I came upon. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, um, there's the Y2K... Um, uh, New Year's uh, Eve New Year's, bash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you and Carson. and The whole gang. uncomfortably asking you who you want to kiss, and you're like Ryan Phillippe. Oh, God, I said that? Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Times have changed. You're not sticking with that answer. I'm not sticking with my cruel intentions answer. <laughs> it was the hot answer. It was the, it was the hot answer for sure. Um, there's the the Meet Mandy Moore promo video, which I think it seemed like it was like promo for like your first album that maybe was sent out around everywhere. Oh, okay. I, I don't. I wouldn't recommend this to you because it would probably psychologically break you to watch these things. It would. I know that without <laughs> even seeing it. I know it would. Said, I feel like you do own it all. Like I, on Instagram, yeah. you revel in the, the throwbacks. I mean, otherwise I would probably just be in tears. No, I, I think it's fun to sort of juxtapose where I am now in my life as a 34-year-old woman versus, you know, a kid at 15 making terrible fashion choices. <laughs> like, that's easy. Yeah. That's easy to chat about. Did it? But it, did it take you a while to kind of have a sense of humor about that stuff? No, I think pretty of... early on I was like, the music that I made on my first record, first two, was pretty terrible. Did and you felt that at the time? You did were like what, what was the? I mean, you were enjoying the ride. I presumably. was enjoying the ride. I was enjoying just the ability to do the work, but I wasn't enjoying the work per se. Right. I didn't like step away and go, "This is my." You were too smart for this business. You were well. You were aware no. enough to know, like, <laughs> I'm having fun. This is cool. This is an amazing opportunity. Not gonna I'm last not forever. Making great art. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. Um. So, and what's the association? I'm just curious, because since I've been at MTV for a thousand years, like when you think of the those like that heyday of like TRL, <sighs> like what do you, what comes to mind when you think of that stuff? I mean, I think of my childhood. I think of my adolescence. Like yeah. not only just watching it on TV. Like I remember watching TRL, or at least watching music videos like before school in the morning. Um, Right before I left to like make my first record, and then six months later I was on the road with NSYNC. Crazy. And then Backstreet Boys. Yeah. And right. then got a contract as a VJ with MTV and was like hosting videos and like filling in for Carson on TRL sometimes. Yeah. And it was terrifying. It was so <laughs> stressful. But um well, yeah, because I noticed also for a, t- a period of time, I don't know what it was, but you had a show of I some did. sort, right? Each summer, for two summers, I had um, a show on the channel. What, and what was it? We, I would interview people one time, and like it was like sort of like an advice show, and I have experts <laughs> on. And then the year before that, 
it was just showing music videos and occasionally like interviewing boy bands and stuff that would come by. Right. Um, and then I would do stuff during spring. Remember when spring break was like a oh, whole yeah. thing? Yeah, like yeah. I did all that stuff. It was pretty wild. Did it feel like, because it, it felt like at that time you could, you could kind of have a lot of different sort of careers, right? Like you're yeah. saying, like you're like, I'm a musician. I'm going to be an, uh, you know, I want to be an actor, but I could also be a VJ or talk show host or whatever. Did it feel like, again, um, like at that point, your career could have gone in many different directions? And were you just sort of like, I mean, you were so young, it was just sort of like, I'll see what comes and I'll enjoy it. And I mean, I didn't feel like I'm going to throw everything in the wall and just see what sticks. I, I felt like it was a bit more strategic, but I also knew that like, I just wanted to try my hand at everything that came my way. So yeah. why not? You know? And I think because I didn't have like too much, like overwhelming, tremendous success as a, as a pop star musician, mm-hmm. like that didn't limit me in a way that I think it maybe did for other people right. um, to, to try all those things. Because it would be weird if you saw Britney Spears or one of my contemporaries like right. hosting on MTV. It was like, no, they were busy like making records and touring and being like superstars. And because I never really achieved that same level, yeah. it kind of opened the floodgates for me to try acting and doing a bunch of See, other stuff. I, and I've, I've heard you be like very open about that and talk about your career in those terms. And I feel like everybody that's always talking to you was always kind of like taken aback because... I think we all, you know, conflate everybody at that time in this group. In the same way. Right? And I definitely wasn't, though. Like, people are like, you had this huge hit. I'm like, I had one quasi-hit. It wasn't like, it was top 10 maybe, but it wasn't like number one with a bullet for, you know, eight weeks. Like, it's, it, it like, it opened the door for me and it allowed me to continue making music, but it was never that, like, I was never on the cover of Rolling Stone. I never performed at the MTV, the VMAs. I never, Mm. like, I was never at that level. And thankfully, because I don't know if I'd still be sitting here talking today, you know? At the time, did you desperately want that? No. You didn't? No. I wanted to have a career that I wanted to be Bette Midler. Like, I wanted to be on Broadway and do movies and TV and make records and tour and do all of that. Like, I didn't want to be pigeonholed into doing just one thing. So I think I knew at a young age, like, this is so cool that I have this opportunity and that I'm lucky enough and that somehow I stumbled into finding, getting a record deal. Um, But hopefully that will be the door that will just allow me to do everything I want to try my hand at. And you knew enough to know that, like, in a sense, you were kind of playing someone else's role or expectation of you. You were kind of like trying to fit like, it seems like the things you loved into what was uh, at that moment expected of a young, of a young woman. Like Mm -hmm. the template was Christina and Brittany. Mm -hmm. And you know, you've talked about how like you weren't like a dancer. You weren't that person. No, Um, definitely not. And (laughs) it's just, it's just, it's just fascinating to think because like, I also think of like so you were raised in the like Orlando area, right? I was. So yeah. what was what was in the water in that area? <laughs> like what was going well, on? I think those like Justin and all of those people were on the Mickey Mouse Club, so that yeah. was a little different. I just randomly happened to be from Orlando. Like okay. I grew up there. I don't think there's anything particularly special about Orlando. <laughs> it's just a random coincidence. It seems strange. I feel like there needs to be an investigation into the water. <laughs> there might be a medical reason. That we're all here yeah, in the I, business. I, I don't know. <laughs> And why do uh, let's hypothesize for a second? Why were why were the boys always grouped and like the and then the girls were solo? Generally solo outside of Spice Girls, obviously. But I like, mean, I wonder why that is. Maybe because like 
I don't know. It was like a bunch of guys to like for for a girl to have a crush on, and like they'd spend more money choice. buying records or different archetypes <gasps> to <don't> like <laughs> graft onto. Like that's a very good question. I don't know. Someone should break that down too. Between, yes, we have two investigations yes. we're launching here today. <laughs> why boy bands? Why boy bands? And what's up with the water in Orlando? Right. I think the why boy bands is probably the most important. Yes, and the, and the water is also worthy of it's, exploration. It's interesting. Um, so you know, very early on, you. You obviously are interested in acting, and you make the debut in Princess Diaries. Mm-hmm. Um, please tell me Gary Marshall. N- nothing negative about Gary he Marshall. He's the loveliest okay. man ever. I would hope. Oh yes, he's everything you want him to be. He's everything like <laughs> everyone expected him to be. Right. I feel like yeah, it's not like he turned like he has a different voice no. offset. He's still that menschly like. Yes. Like, he's yeah. like your grandpa. Yeah. He's the best. And did it feel like so? Did, did that at the time feel? comfortable yes it did it did it felt very comfortable it felt like I was at summer camp with a bunch of people my age because you know there are mostly people like young people like my age in the film and I'd never obviously had an experience quite like that before and I just remember thinking like oh I can do this like if this is what these experiences are sort of like being on a set I can totally do this I mean obviously it's not the case. Like, I, I mean, I did do a couple of movies after that that you're, you know, surrounded by other young people. But mm. for the most part, you can't always look into that kind of situation. Right. But it was, um, it was wonderful. I mean, to be able to start out in a Gary Marshall film with Julie Andrews, it just. Ugh. It was, uh, it was, I felt like untouchable. It was incredible. Did it feel like a different comfort level than the, mu- on, the on the music side at that point? Was it, did it? Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to like hit a mark. I didn't know like what everybody's jobs entailed on set, but I loved the sort of, you know, group effort aspect of, of having to come together to make a yeah. film work. Let's put on a show for a few months. For and, a few months yeah. that like it, the pressure wasn't solely on my shoulders, like right. performing live or making a record or visiting radio stations or everything that that job sort of, or that side of my job entailed. It was, it was nice to feel like, ah, oh, this is a bit of a relief. Yeah. But then again, like immediately after that, you start to star in films so yes. it is a little bit more on your shoulders your yes. face is on the poster yes. uh and thankfully again by by talent and luck and the people you're associated with i mean you, you kind of hit it out of the park almost immediately with a walk to remember um yeah and so does that experience <laughs> i feel like there's a lot there's a lot loaded into that yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot there but like um again you know so you, so you're you're collaborating, but mm-hmm. it's your face on the poster. Yeah. Does it feel at that time like I I've earned a spot at this table? I have I, I, I I'm ready Definitely for not. this. I, I felt ready for it, but I don't think that I ever felt like I had earned it. I, I just I knew that I was really lucky and the door had been open to me because of the music side of my career. Mm. Um but I had to work for it. I auditioned and I know they read a lot of people for it and somehow Adam Shankman, who directed the movie, was like, that's that's our girl. Somehow. Because, again, I truly... I remember Shane West, who was in the movie with me, like, actually physically, like, moving me to put me, like, on the correct spot. Because I had no idea what I was doing. And right. then I would look down at my feet to find my mark. And I just was a... To- I was totally unprofessional. There's a, this famous story, if you've ever heard of it, that, like, Spencer Tracy, like, even, like, like in, like, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, he never knew where his mark was. Really? But he would use it in his, like, performance. So if you go back and watch, like, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, he's always got kind of his arms folded and he's looking down, like, very purposely. Like, and it seems like he's thinking. He's actually 
actually looking for He's his looking mark. for his mark for the T. Yeah. So use I, it, Mandy. Is I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. I've gotten better now on the show. Now, now I feel like it's something I don't even think about. But um, yeah, I didn't. I did not know what I was doing on a walk to remember. Was Was there a point you can pinpoint looking back at, at the acting career and the evolution of this career where you kind of felt like you did have a right to be at the table? Like I've earned my place, and I've kind of like there were all these expectations of musician turned actor, and now like I'm. You know what? I'm an actor. Um, I, oh God, I don't know if I've ever really felt that way. Maybe, I mean, I, I, I guess I feel that way now. Um, but maybe earlier in my career, uh, I think like maybe with that movie Saved, mm-hmm. because I felt like it was a bit of an unexpected turn. It was a bit of a deviation and, um, I was playing against type. And so in that sense, like it was a tiny little movie and not a ton of people saw it. But I think the people that did see it um, were able to pinpoint that like, oh, that's an interesting choice that she made. And that's when it started to feel like, okay, I've turned like a tiny bit of a corner and people are starting to understand that this isn't. You know, something I'm doing to capitalize on no, you're my not going music by the career. Manual yeah, where, like, I was, you could do a, a thousand walk to members if you wanted yep. to, but mm-hmm. you're gonna take some odd choices. Take that, some risks that might compromise other people's expectations of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because I would imagine, like at that time in particular, you know, my guess would be the offers or the potential offers at that point are are the things like a walk to member. Yeah, and then there's like probably the, the things that are totally on the other end that mm-hmm. are like trying to kind of subvert you. Yes. It's like, you know, I was thinking, you know, like Elizabeth Berkeley when she did Showgirls. Yeah, like go yeah, like, yeah. like let's let's sully really like this image as much as there possible. There was none of that actually that really? ever entered the equation for me. And maybe it just never made its way to me. Maybe it got filtered <laughs> through by, you know, managers and agents right. and stuff. But that was never, I feel like we collectively I had great people helping sort of helping me make decisions at least like it was it was strategic I knew what I wanted to do and also like what I was interested in doing as an actor I didn't want to do the romantic comedy like girl next door for the rest of my life and that's why I think I found myself in sort of a a lull for a couple of years because people do confine you they want to they want to define you and see you in one sense and while I understand it, it's tremendously frustrating as a creative person because you want to do everything but the way people see you. One other weirdo choice that did did, did sneak in that I'm most fascinated by is Southland Tales. Oh my god, never saw it. <laughs> never saw never it. Never saw it. Oh my god. I know it's a, it was a the experience making that movie was the wackiest thing. I was going to say it was as crazy as, yes. as the movie. Like it the making was, of it. and I remember reading the script and I was like, Richard, the director, I was like, I don't fucking know what. <laughs> is happening. What is this movie about? And I don't even think he could really explain it. Yeah, that's a I mean, he, sign. That's he a... could, but like it would, it would still like went completely over my head, but I love Donnie Darko so much. I'm yeah. like, I trust that this guy knows what he's doing. And Oh no, at the time, everybody was, it was like the most anticipated clamoring. thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you look at that cast yeah. that speaks volumes. Like we all were like, that was an ensemble. Yes. That was a, I mean, it was like, but I remember that it was like me and The Rock. Hey, you played The Rock's wife, right? The Rock's wife, John Larroquette, Sarah Michelle Geller, Wallace Shawn. Yeah. It was the weirdest Sean group William of Scott, people. It was all over the place. But the people that I worked with specifically, I was like, this is bizarre. It's like the best episode of The Love Boat ever yes, made. Yes, ever, ever. <laughs> and I just remember The Rock being. What a gentleman. Yeah, he's a pro. Man, he is he was a pro back then too and this was sort of at the start of Yeah. 
of him not being The Rock yeah. and becoming Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> The artist formerly known I, as. I was, I was at the forefront <laughs> of, right. of his transition. Uh, yeah, I, I have yet to find somebody with a nasty word to say about yeah. DJ. I know. Um, I mean, I think he's, isn't he running for president in 2020? He's going to rule the planet. If yeah. the planet's still there. If he the might planet be, is still there. 40-60, I say be, right now. saving us from some <laughs> impending disaster. Whatever works. Yeah. So, so you never could bring yourself to see it, though. It was just I one n- of those things. Like, I d- it's like it never really came out. <laughs> right. It yeah. was a Wait, did, it, did it go to Cannes? Did you go to Cannes? I did not. Okay. I think because I was just a tiny part of that ensemble. Okay. okay. So then in that period, you are, I mean, you know, in, in this, you're, you're working consistently in that, in that period. And it, some of them are kind of like the license to wed kind yeah, of yeah, a thing yeah. and stuff like that. And again, it seems like, you know, you're put in a bit of a box at that point. Sure. And you're taking the best opportunities that you can get. And you're like, yes. I can work with Robin Williams. Yeah. Great. Not, and it might not be the best, but it's Robin Williams. And it's a fun studio movie, and I get to go to Jamaica and right. stay here in L.A. for the summer. Like, yeah, why not? Yeah, I think from the outside looking in, people sometimes have the illusion that, like, every actor has, like, 40 amazing choices always at their feet. No. And it's like, Unless, A, you got to pay the bills. B, yeah. you want to be, like, stay in, stay in the stay game. Stay in the game. And, not, and, and you need an opportunity to work yeah. as an actor. And like, that's the tough thing about this business. You really have, somebody has to give you a shot in order to, to flex your muscles, to do what you do. Otherwise yeah. you're just sitting, treading water. So were you, what was your, your attitude in, in those years when you're steadily working? Uh, even if it's maybe not artistically super satisfying, you're working at least, is it, is it sort of just, um, were you satisfied at the time? Or I was, you were? I was because I just figured like, cool, this is you never know where things are leading. And I just assumed like, cool, this is just the stepping stone to the next chapter of my, my career. And hopefully this will open the door and, you know, maybe it'll be a a big hit and that will give me more opportunities to do the smaller sort of pictures that are a little bit more fulfilling. Like, were you feeling like in your own head when you were walking into like auditions or whatever, were you kind of getting in your own head of like what they were expecting? Like, because you know, you come in with that name and that, and that YouTube history of like TRL or whatever. Yeah. And that's hard to break. It is hard to break. Um, and you can be your own worst enemy in some ways too, because that's the worst. I think it was hardest with the things that I felt most passionate about that were, um, you know, again, a step in a different direction for me, but knowing that like I had the capability to handle the material, mm. but just getting over that hump of somebody saying like, yeah, I can't right. see you as the prostitute or I can't see you uh, as the bad girl. Like right. it just was, it, it felt like a bit of a burden in yeah. a way to like get people to think outside the box. Was there, I mean, are you the type of actor where like were there parts that got away that felt that would kind of dug in your craw for a while that kind of felt like hmm. that would have in retrospect could have been a game changer, could have shifted perception. Could have shifted perception, not shifted perception. I'm trying to think of one that I was like, I felt good about that. Oh, I felt really good about Mama Mia. I remember auditioning for that. Yeah. And then that didn't happen. I was like, damn, that I felt like I was really suited for that. Yeah, that actually makes sense. That actually, you know, <laughs> no, wasn't for me. Yeah. No, well, but luckily you bombed and made no money. 
<laughs> they didn't do a sequel. They didn't do a out. sequel. It didn't change everybody's life. Meryl Streep wasn't in it. Look, we're um, all happy. You're here talking about you know, successful projects. It's, it's okay. It's all good. But I do like there are those kinds of things where you're yeah. like, huh, that was a head scratcher. But you know, you're just you're not cut out for everything. It, it is kind of shocking to me that you haven't done a musical. A musical. I'm dying to. And I'm not even talking about movie. Like we can talk about movies, but I'm talking about like stage too. Both. I want to do both, but it has to be the right thing. It means so much to me that yeah. I don't want to just like jump into any, you know, no, sure. spot for three months. Like so-and-so is filling in for so-and-so in this show. I'm like, nah, I want to yeah, like the actually year of that revival. Yes. I want to like, I want to develop something or it just, it, you know, not make the obvious choice. Because there must have been certainly opportunities here in, in Broadway. For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was the mindset. Like it'll I come, do it'll Beauty happen. And the Beast. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Right. Right. It'll it'll happen when it's meant to. And movie musical wise, where it you know it seems to Same be back thing. in vogue to a, to, to a degree. To more, a degree, more being made. Yeah. So oh, I'd love to. They must always bring you in for those, though. I would think. Not really. Really? No. Um, I think now, especially like I'm at that age where I'm not like an ingenue. I'm not like a young kid, so it's mm-hmm. not. It would have to be a very specific role. Got it. But I'm in for whatever <laughs> that ready? is. Yeah. Um. So one opportunity that did come, and it's always sort of the, the unlikeliest ones that are kind of game changers in, to some degree. It's like is something you know, it's a voice role. It's Tangled. Oh yeah. Which like is a you know is something that still is fruitful to this day yes. for you. And, and once you're a Disney princess, you're always a Disney you're in, princess. You're in, right? <laughs> yeah. In that lifetime contract, it's yep. a good thing. Um, and that's like you know, I I don't often think of like voice roles as something you have to like go hard after an audition repeatedly. For. Oh, you do audition. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I learned this that like. That was one that was a highly sought after. It's not. Yeah. It's not just something handed to you on a silver platter. It And I figured because it's the same sort of thing with voiceovers, I think, for like commercial work and stuff. Yeah. You just sort of like it's again, like throwing a dart at the wall and just hoping it sticks. Um, you never know what they're looking for. And I feel like it's the same with animation. Yeah. I I was like, yeah, I mean, it's my like the dream of a lifetime to be a Disney princess, but how is that going to happen? How is that going to come to fruition? You don't know what they're looking at and they want someone older or younger, but I just, I happened to look out and, and it it was again, like that perfect combination of getting to combine like both of those mediums that I love being able to act and sing. And it was kind of like we were, you know, at the forefront of bringing the sort of Disney musical back. Right. This and we kind of, frozen. Pr- it was is... pre-Frozen. We really primed, <laughs> primed the world for Frozen, if I do say so myself. I, you're entitled. Um, I do. I really believe that. Like we, we, we opened the, the door again for that because it was not in vogue. It was really like felt out of step. It was all about like the cool pixar sort of side of things. Yep. And Disney had kind of become a bit uncool in that yep. sense. Yep. Yep. Um, so that was that was a game changer for me, like in every regard. It was so much fun. And you still get it's going into what it's like second or third season. You guys are doing uh, yeah, that, they're right? doing an animated show on Disney, and right. I do the voice for that. And we're just starting our third season. And you got and you also got to do. I saw the clip, that amazing clip. I think it might be now like online. They showed it like at CinemaCon and other things I've been to from um, Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. So is that? Did you all <laughs> record that together? No, oh, you never do shame. anything together. I know. I know but we all got to be shame. on stage together last year at like D twenty three. So that was that fun. was quite a photo op. Yeah, that was a this photo was, like, op. Literally every every Disney princess. princess. Amazing. Living. Every fanfic come to life. Yeah. <laughs> minus, I think, Elsa. Minus, um, okay. what's her name? 
I did a Menzel. She was like oh, yeah. at, at, on a tour or something. Adele Dazim? Is that what we're Adele saying? Adele Dazim right. was the only one missing. <laughs> Sorry, Adele. Yeah, exactly. So uh, as, we, as we hurtle towards uh, the amazing success of This Is Us, uh, which uh, is going to be entering its third season this year. Congratulations, of Thank course. Thank you. Um, you know, and I've heard you talk about this. Like, you know, you were... You know, you were always, especially in the last few years, you were clearly like sought after in the television space. Like you had some opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like you were doing a series of pilots with like really high cool level talent. Yeah. So again, I'm always fascinated on like the kind of the psychological <laughs> aspect of like failure before the success, right? Because it's like, were you getting in your own head where yes. it's like, is it me? Am I the one bringing this? A thousand percent. When you do um, a pilot with Ben McKenzie. And Ben was just here, by the way. Oh, we were he was? About it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, when you do a pilot with him, and it's, I remember, like, so the year before that, I had developed a show with Fox, and it had gotten picked up by ABC or to be made into a pilot, and everybody was like, it's going, it's going, it's going. Yeah. And all signs were, like, pointing towards that direction, and I, like, went in and even did some, like, voiceover stuff that they were like, they're going to play this at Upfront. And then at the last minute, it didn't get picked up, and I was <laughs> crushed beyond belief. The next year, I do this pilot with Ben McKenzie. So the first year was, like, half hour single camera comedy. This was like an hour drama for CBS. It was like Bruno Heller who did The Mentalist and then did, uh, what's it called with him? Gotham, right? Gotham, yeah. Did Rome, I remember, on HBO. Yes, and so it was like he had this incredible track record. The guy who directed the pilot had had 20 pilots in a row picked up. It was like all signs point to yes. It's like the Friends cast in the first episode. See you in seven years. Exactly. (laughs) And I felt like really good about my work. It was like, Mm -hmm. it felt like this first adult role for me and no didn't get picked up (laughs) then the next year I do this pilot with James Roday and Tracy Ullman same thing it was like I'm clearly the the ingredient here like was that the John Hamburg one too it was John Hamburg I know so it's like it clearly wasn't all of these incredibly talented people it had to be me (laughs) truly and I feel like the rest of the world was thinking that as well like well this girl is just she's not cut out for television which is why I remember I had, so I'd done these like three failed pilot seasons. Then the fourth pilot season, I remember couldn't even like get a gig that I liked. And I remember going into audition for some show. I'm not going to say who it was with. And I didn't like it. I was like, this is such terrible schlock. I can't like, oh, but a job is a job and yep. I would be lucky to get it. And I remember I went in and like tested for it and I didn't get it. And I was, that was like the breaking point for me. I thought, okay, I didn't even get the job that I thought was shitty and I didn't even want it and I didn't get it. So that was when I was like, time to make moves and change up the energy, figure out what I want to do next because this is too depleting, this rejection. And I signed with a new agency and I remember it was under the catalyst of like, look, this pilot season thing is, I'm not cut out for it. Like, let's not, let's try our hand at something else. And so we all kind of collectively decided, cool, we'll go for like the stuff that's casting year round. Cause I really wanted to do television. So it was like, we'll do the Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, like those, those projects out in the world. And then two weeks later I get this script for the untitled Dan Fogelman project, it was like set up at NBC. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is exactly we what we just said. Totally. I was like, this, this, some, somebody didn't get the memo. 
But then I, my agent is like really picky and inc- and incredibly bright. And I was like, she sent this to me for a reason. I love Dan. I knew him a tiny bit from Tangled, but like we weren't. This is we the didn't. Wrong Tangled. He wrote yep. Tangled, and we had a tiny bit of a rapport, but like I didn't know him. Know him. I didn't keep in touch with him. I think people sort of miss. They assume that like, oh, we had this friendship, and he like brought me this role. Like right. that was not right. not the case at all. So I read it, of course, loved it. And I, I was like, I will do anything to be a part of this. Um, and I went in very early to audition for it. And I remember the feedback was, um, they really liked you, but you're early on in the game. Excuse me. And they're going to like go out and read. They want to go to New York and read women. And they want to finish reading a bunch of people here in L.A. And I was like, okay, um, all right. And as you do as an actor, you sort of just like wash your hands of it. And you're like, I'm going to forget about it because if it doesn't come back around again, I, I, you know, don't want to be fixated on it. And then sure enough, like five weeks later, I got a call like, okay, so it's happening, but they're going to bring you in. They're going to bring in like three girls and three guys to like chemistry read together. Right. And, uh, and so I went in and I had heard that Milo was like the guy to beat. And he, um, he and I read together. He was the only guy I read with. And so I was like, I think this is a good sign. And that was it. Then we both got called at the end of the day and told that we got the part. It must be great to kind of go through this with that entire ensemble. But I think particularly of Milo, because, you know, we, we could have very much a similar conversation to the one we've had, uh, you and I have had, I feel like, about yeah. him. And yeah, his and his career, absolutely. Like, he's had certainly the highs. And yeah. like And he knows what it's like to be, like, on the cover of a TV guide with a hot show. And yeah. then also to, to struggle through pilot, pilot season, season and yep. all of that. Oh, we've talked a lot about it. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so when, when the show hits, and as I recall from the outside looking in, it hit pretty quickly. Like it, it did. So were you, at, at what point were you able to accept um, success and say, okay, <laughs> this is actually, this is a good thing I and mean, the, the, the more cor- uh, curses over. And <laughs> yeah, the more TV curses over. Some, somehow the show was stronger than me. Um, <laughs> it's so good. It Even broke, I wasn't able it to It broke people. It. Um, I have to say it was pretty early on when we yeah. got we got picked up after our first episode or second episode like picked up for the the rest of the season and that's when i was like i can exhale <laughs> like i can breathe that was so tremendously exciting because you just hear those horror stories or not even horror stories like the reality of network television like your first show or two or three episodes like don't perform that's it yeah. you move on to the next thing maybe they'll air the rest of them maybe they won't yeah. so i just i knew how tremendously competitive it was so that that was when i was first like oh and then i remember not that long ago um like early on maybe six five or six episodes in on the first season we got the cover of entertainment weekly and i was like oh this is cool like this doesn't happen <laughs> i'm not used to and, being on a cool thing <laughs> and then i remember the next january january of 2017 being told that we were picked up for two and three that was like okay this is unheard of this is crazy this yeah. it freaked us all out like none of us were expecting that yeah yeah um it, it, yeah, it, it is one of the, I mean, it's been analyzed to death, but it's true. It feels like it was like the right antidote to like our culture and yep. our moment. Yep. It came at the right time and it we did. kind of just needed it in these often dark times yes. <laughs> to kind of just, um, self-soothe. Yeah. Yeah. A, a catharsis every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and does it feel like that from your side of the lens too? Is it catharsis to do it, to 
act in it. It's it's doing something different for you than it is for the audience, obviously. But yeah, but it's also doing that for us too. Like I'm tremendously affected when I watch it, and I do watch it because. I'm just a fraction of the show. Like I want to see my friends work. Mm -hmm. Like I want to see what they're doing when I'm not on set. Right. Um, and it's so I, I feel like I'm able to participate as an audience member as well. Um, and sort of gloss over watching myself, which I've started to get over. I never, ever used to be able to do it. And mm. now I can do it and sort of, I understand why it's helpful for yeah. people. Um, cause you can sort of sit and go, Oh, I shouldn't do that. Or I shouldn't, you know, I should do that or more blah, blah, blah. But, um, I, it is, it is cathartic too. Yeah. In a personal way, just to be able to pour whatever crazy energy experiences, emotional information from your own life into yeah. the work and like, make it work for you. It feels productive. Use those tears for good. Yes. <laughs> Use those tears to make other people cry. <laughs> Are there, do you routinely experience emotional reactions from the public? I mean, this, uh, like what, what is there a typical fan interaction for this kind of a show or is it it's hysteria no it's like <laughs> it's genuine and it's heartfelt mm -hmm. it's people that want to be vulnerable and tell you why they connect with the show which is so humbling I've never been a part of that before yeah. maybe a tiny bit with a walk to remember just mm -hmm. because of the material and I think this the you know the story and the character really resonated with people but this is on another level yeah. of like of meeting people where it does feel like, I know it's just entertainment, but it is like changing lives in a way. Like it's making people feel something they haven't felt in a long time. And, and you're right. It's there's, you can't discount the timing yeah. of the crazy confusion that we're all living through right now. It is important to be able to like have some sort of hour a week to like pour all of that into right well, what, what if the world fixes itself in the next couple of years your, your show uh. has to go off the air right? are you willing to sacrifice that for something the good tells of the... me it'll time out just perfectly okay, okay. hopefully we'll when things five or six, seven we'll seasons get our in, five or six seasons in the world will just be writing itself again perfect. and then we roll off into the sunset perfect yeah <laughs> i did see you get points for this my wife works for the nrdc not for <gasps> Wisconsin. i saw you were at the big yeah. uh, shindig last week oh um wow your wife is she's saving she's a, the final she's a super Hero. stupid podcast. That's not true. You guys are like a power couple. That's let's, awesome. Let's go with that. Let's go with uh, it. Um, but uh, is that is that a cause? Is, that, is the environmental kind of cause something that's close to your heart? Sure. Is that, yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm a, an aficionado, but it's it is tremendously important for all of us to be awake and aware and know what's happening to our planet and yeah. to to be compassionate and care and do what we can. It's like, there, it's just undeniable at this point and ever like f across the board in every sense, like we all have to step up and do our part. Now we are all responsible. We all, and we all have a platform from which to do something. Even if you feel like yours doesn't have the reach, like it's just important to set an example. Yeah. You, uh, you've used your hiatus well, not not only in, in going to fancy NRDC shindigs, <laughs> but also climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes, sir. That's a bucket list moment. It was a pretty bucket list moment. <laughs> yeah. Was that something that you would like want to do for a while? Forever, since I was a teenager. Really? Yeah. And I, the opportunity that came about really last minute, and I thought, I've always wanted to do this. If I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. Is it easy? Is it like hiking Runyon Canyon? Can I do it? Like, <laughs> is if I can do that, can I do Kilimanjaro? Yeah. Physically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, really? I mean it. If you, it's just the combination of like you're camping for a week and not showering and like going to the bathroom outside and eating weird, anyway. eating weird food yeah. and, um, you know, 
inclement weather, not being able to breathe well. If you can just like get through that like combination, you're fine. Did you do it with your fiance? I did it with my fiance and like two of my best friends. So is that like a, a good like testing of like, okay, we're about to go into a lifetime together. Let's yeah. see if we can survive each other in this environment. I knew we would be able to, but <laughs> we did come out like he passed with flying colors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so what is, do you, do you, do you have other kind of te- since teenage years aspirations? What else is on the list? Now that well, now, now it's like next hiatus. I'm like Everest base camp. Which takes like 20 days. Not wow. Everest, just space camp. Okay. But there's like lots of like outdoorsy stuff I want to do now. Yeah. Which is why I'm passionate about the planet. It's like we, once you do something like that and you really, not even just that. I think anybody who's like had an experience where they've fallen in love with like mother nature and planet earth, it's, you just can't turn your back on it. You're like, I have to figure out a way to preserve this so people can see this in perpetuity for the rest of like, till the end of time. Yeah. And let's elongate that as, as much as we can, you know? Yeah. And especially in these times where it's like, you know, five years ago, you might've taken it for granted that other people are going to take care of this and it's going to be fine. And then you're like, wait, no, it (laughs) falls on our shoulders. Actually trying to subvert this. Yes. Um, Actively. Yeah. Ugh. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, we go down a long watching, rabbit hole there. <laughs> watching any good TV lately? <laughs> Seen any good movies? Um, do, you, do you consume a lot? Or are you like a big pop culture? I'm not a big pop no. culture. I mean, I love like, I, I'm a political junkie. So I like John Oliver is my hero. That's like my favorite. That's, that's appointment television for me. Totally. Other than that, like I haven't really been watching a lot. Yeah. What about, so do you know, I read somewhere that you might be doing Roland Embrick's Yeah. Film. Are you going to be doing that? I think so, if I can work it out. It's a tiny, like, it's an ensemble, so it's just like a week of work for me. But Got it. that could be fun. Yeah. It's like, you know, to do a World War II, like, epic, you know, period piece. Yeah. That's not something I've ever done before. And Hang out with Woody Harrelson if you can. Hang out with, hang out with Woody Harrelson and a bunch of other good actors that they haven't announced yet. And I'm like, yeah, I'll... Sure. Hawaii? Sign me up. <laughs> exactly. Um, so do, do, have you found that in the wake of this success, are there new interesting potential opportunities? I mean, you're working like probably eight or nine months a year at least. Yeah. And you're depressed. So it's, it's not like there's, it's there's again, not as window. easy as, you know. There's a small window. And I didn't work this, this hiatus because there wasn't anything that I was super excited about. Right. And I feel so lucky with the show. And with Dan Fogelman and our writers, like really valuing and and they love the women and the way that they write for women is so it's such an impossible standard now. Like, right. I don't want to just play the cardboard cutout of a girlfriend or a mother. Like, I want to, I want the whole fully realized picture. So I I feel like. I can be a little pickier right now. And that's what I want. Like I want to work for as long as the industry will have me. So I'm trying to be smart about the stuff that I'm choosing to do at this point. Someone developed some brilliant La La Land musical for yes. Mandy Moore. Come on. What's what the fuck? Guys. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> um, so when do you go back to work on, on This Is Us? In like a month. Nice. Yeah. You feel ready? Yeah. I'm ready right now. I miss those guys. Yeah. I love our cast Seems and like I love our bunch. crew. Have you met anybody else from the show? Not enough. I have. I spent a little time with Milo. Yeah. I, I, st- I need to get Sterling in here. Oh, you got like to get Sterling. Yeah. You'll die. He's yeah. the best. He's the most like gregarious, charismatic. Like he was meant to. He's meant to do what he's doing, but he's also meant to be like the leader of 
actors. Like he just if, if Dwayne doesn't take over the, the world, it might be Sterling. I I vote for Sterling. <laughs> Maybe they can like have a, they can run together. They can be on the ticket together. He needs a VP. Yeah, I would uh, twenty twenty <laughs> Johnson Brown twenty twenty. I vote for those guys. Look, one, well, uh, five years ago that was a joke. Today <laughs> I know, it's not. I so know. <laughs> I do kid, but I uh, man, I love I love yeah I love our cast. So I'm ready to get back to work. Excellent. Uh, I'll let you take some more time off and then get back to work. Uh, it's it's been really good, good to get to know you a little bit today. It's really nice to chat. Thanks, uh, on man. All your success, and uh, you're welcome here anytime. Thank you. Talking about your untitled mo- uh, movie musical or Broadway musical, come to New York. Do a musical. I here. will. You'll be the first to know. I'll Perfect. let you know. I'll be right here waiting for you. <laughs> Thanks. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 